Hello and welcome to Seeking Sustainability Live podcast. I'm your host, JJ Walsh, based in Hiroshima, Japan. This series is taking a look at sustainability from various viewpoints by talking to experts, insiders, activists, and innovators from across Japan. Today in the podcast, we are talking to Masaru Takayama. He has been active in sustainable tourism models and community building for destinations for many years. He has a great perspective on the future of tourism in Japan and the importance of international connections. Thank you so much for joining, Masaru. Thank you, Joy. How are you? How are you? I'm good. How's the weather in Awaji Island? Oh, can't be better. We are all the sun that we want. Awesome. And we are introducing a little bit about Awaji Island. That is one of the places that you would like to recommend for sustainable travel and tourism. So we're going to introduce that a bit later, a little bit about you and your background. Now, I read that you studied oceanography. Is that right? That's correct. So is that where your kind of focus on sustainability and sustainable business, sustainable Mm -hmm. travel, is that where that started for you? Well, not exactly, but it is a part of it. I always have been passion with nature and in particular with ocean. That's why I studied oceanography. So I, you know, really like to be underwater, uh, but not above (laughs) before when I was in college. But, uh, you know, you had to travel the land or the seas uh, in order to see those beautiful places. So traveling has always been a part of my life, uh, connecting these oceans, I should say. Yeah, the oceans are so important uh, for many reasons in sustainability, but also so important for tourism. Japan and many of the places we'll talk about later that you are promoting for sustainable tourism are beautiful beach areas, beautiful areas for diving, such as in Okinawa. Um, So you obviously, that background in oceanography has helped you build this passion to promote these wonderful places in Japan. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. But uh, also part of this uh, world travel that I have done before when I was much younger uh, and um, to see the world, uh, really. And... uh, my one day uh after maybe diving for seven days straight i had to sort of dry my brain one one of those days so i went on this uh, jungle tour in costa rica which was uh now you know when i think of it uh it is actually the it was actually the community-based tour and the guide was very proud of me um thinking individually about you know the tourist uh, benefits directly trickle down to the community where they're able to build their own hospitals and schools 
uh, which I thought was a brilliant idea. So that was actually my uh, very, you know, the beginning of what I thought was a responsible ancestor in tourism. Yeah, that's so interesting. Now you have a role in so many different organizations in Japan and internationally. If people want to reach out and contact you, you think maybe the LinkedIn uh, profile might be the easiest? Yeah, LinkedIn would work. However, um, you know, writing me direct messages would help, not just, you know, clicking to become a, a friend or the, <coughs> so um, maybe you could uh, write me that you saw me or heard me uh, with you know, Joey, that would be definitely help. And okay. um, I'm no normally a good uh, replier. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're so busy. You're on loads of committees. Your advisor role. You do auditing. Um, you're a consultant. You're also a director. Let's talk a little bit about um, mm -hmm. DARTA and your own uh, network that you founded, the Asian Ecotourism Network that you founded. Can you talk about that first? Sure. Um, I could talk about JARTA first, J-A-R-T-A, uh, which stands for Japan Alliance of Responsible Travel Agencies. Uh, I am the actual founder um, of this uh, not-for-profit trade association for uh, travel operators and travel agencies in Japan. Uh, we have, uh, I think we've started about... Uh, three little over three years ago now uh with seven companies um who were like-minded uh trying to promote sustainable tourism but then uh we have now grown into probably about 14 or 15 now um japan-wide that is and we do have some of the inbound uh operators who does tours to uh in and out of japan but the uh, what brings us together is of, of course about uh, sustainability how to improve sustainability as a true operator and we have a, a number of issues how to tackle those issues um, so I think JATO members are really closer t together uh, unlike uh, other you know there are a lot of travel and uh, trade associations but they don't talk much about sustainability so that is uh, one. And another is um, Asian Ecotourism Network. Actually, earlier today, we had uh, a meeting with uh, our new board members. Uh, as of June 3rd, which is in a few days' time, uh, we will be growing into uh, 21 countries in Asia and Pacific. Uh, our headquarter is based in Bangkok, so we have a, a number of uh, bo Thai board members that are based there. So we, we register legally as a not-for-profit, uh, not again, um, tr uh, business trade as association, but we have the probably around 35 or 6 advisory board, international board. Uh, that are all uh, pointed to ecotourism. So we are a very specialized organization in that sense. That's great. There is some really exciting happenings in terms of ecotourism or sustainable tourism. 
Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to introduce the UNESCO Natural Heritage? That's right. Yes. So um, the northern part of Okinawa, and uh, just uh, until three days ago, I was in Amami Island, Oshima Island. So the chunk of uh, uh, island that belonged to Kagoshima Prefecture are now uh, destined to be uh, inscribed as the uh, new uh, natural heritage. Uh, so that would be a good recognition for them uh, for all those years that they have been working to conserve nature and um, of course, you know, being a part of the world heritage, they're expecting more people to come, but to handle them in a sustainable manner is their next mission. Yeah, it's amazing areas. Uh, one of the areas already uh, given UNESCO status, which you introduce on your website, uh, ecotourism eco-tourism.jp. Mm -hmm is um, Shiretoko. So let's talk a little bit about Shiretoko in sure. the Hokkaido, beyond Hokkaido area, and exactly. how special that is. Can you tell us about Shiretoko a little bit? Yes, so I was involved uh, before their inscription. Uh, it was originally a part of the 12 model sites for ecotourism uh, that the Ministry of Environment was promoting that time. Oh, it must have been at least uh, 10 years, maybe 15 years now, uh, that and before the inscription as a world heritage, they're, of course, a part of the national park system. And um, the, the interesting about Shiatoku Peninsula is not just the terrestrial, but also the ocean. Uh, part is a big uh, in a composition of, of the area, uh, which also affected how they should be fishing or not fishing uh, in the peninsula, except the locals. Uh, they have to have a, a proven way to, uh, you know, uh, have their fish stock sustainably uh, maintained. Uh, that is one of the uh, very strict regulations that they have to abide by. Uh, but also, uh, they are, of course, uh, encouraging the people to come in and, and really enjoy an unspoiled uh, nature. But the difficulty for them is that they're also a part of the uh, very rich bear country. Uh, I think they probably the highest uh, density in the entire Japan. And uh, so a lot of the uh, experience guiding uh, required in order to, you know, uh, take advantage of this beautiful nature. So I personally uh, have been working with the, a number of uh, nature schools and, and also with the uh, not-for-profit uh, conservation groups as well as there's also Shiretoko Nature Foundation uh, that does a lot of the research on how to, you know, how they're uh, conserving the area by monitoring. So um, this is a wonderful area. In fact, I'm actually going there in about three week time for, oh, for, <laughs> for <laughs> 10 days. So I, I can't, you know, really wait to go there. Yeah. It, uh, we have a travel expert and travel guide from New Zealand, Louise Poppy, who has joined. Thanks for joining Louise. 
So this is the northern, even northernmost part of beyond Hokkaido Island, uh, Shiretoko. And I love these these photos. Mm. Um, I want to talk more specifically about some of these activities. But before we go any further, maybe if you could explain what is ecotourism? What is sustainable tourism? I think a lot of people get confused by all mm -hmm. these terms, right? Okay. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, so when I started, there is only ecotourism. Uh, ecotourism is, an, is a responsible uh, tourism or travel uh, in the natural area that helps the conservation of the area, but also improving the welfare of the local people through education and interpretation. Um, so if it's not nature-based, uh, of course, it's not ecotourism. So any kind of urban shopping or just eating, you know, the, the organic stuff, it's not ecotourism. Or staying in the eco-resort alone is not ecotourism. There must be uh, a way to uh, reach the triple bottom line, which is to meet the sustainability in environmental factors, but also in cultural and, uh, of course, human factors, social factors have to be met. So uh, ecotourism is actually um, started in the, in the 90s in the world. Uh, it's just the patches of the world that time. But... Uh, Back in 2002, the United Nations has declared a 2002 a year of international year for ecotourism. So we are actually celebrating that year next year at the 20th anniversary. So it's a big one for us. And the sustainable tourism have come much later uh, in a way that all types of tourism has to be sustainable, regardless of you know uh, places. Uh, so or the scale, so the airport or transportation accommodation, uh, any destination uh, seeking sustainability, uh, we put that under the bracket of sustainable tourism. But however, uh, when it's uh, overlap with nature, then it is uh, ecotourism. I don't know if that's clear a little no, bit. No, that's great. And when I when I did my course, my master's degree in sustainable tourism from Arizona University, I think they discussed this idea that ecotourism was great idea, but it wasn't enough. And mm -hmm. so what used to be ecotourism has kind of become nature-based tourism, which is an important part of sustainable tourism. Mm -hmm. But if you want to focus on making washi paper in Japan, for example, or making pottery, that doesn't apply to mm -hmm. ecotourism, but it mm -hmm. definitely applies to sustainable tourism. So sustainable exactly. tourism is kind of a, a broader term and ecotourism or nature-based tourism is one part is mm -hmm. that that's correct accurate? yes joy so any types of tourism can be sustainable depending on how you look at it so uh it encompasses the all spectrum of tourism is sustainable tourism whereas uh, ecotourism has to be nature-based however uh not all, but you know, a lot of times you see uh, just the nature-based uh, tourism are not um, sustainably practiced, or some people uh, go through what we call the greenwashing. Uh, they're trying to uh, motivate people by calling them eco or green. So that is something that we need to combat also. I think uh, I met you originally when I went to a conference 
which was called sustainable tourism many years ago. I won't, mm -hmm. I won't name names, um, but there were some presentations which I found very jarring because they were using big buses like diesel buses or they were using boats, using gas, mm -hmm. um, even using plastic bags with plastic bentos. But they were looking at things which were natural. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of confusion mm -hmm. about is this ecotourism? Do we only need to look at nature to be ecotourism? It's it, There was a big gap. Do you think that recently there's more understanding in Japan about this concept? Well, um, the definition of ecotourism uh, is usually um, illustrated by the Ministry of Environment, which, uh, which is a bit different from the uh, international standard, I should say. Uh, and Japan Ecotourism Society, which is also a very long-run um, organization, probably in the 90s that they established, they have their own definition as well. Uh, but in case of Japan, uh, however, they're based in, in the nature, but they would like to incorporate a lot of the cultural aspects as well. And uh, the, the biggest difference with, for us, ex example, in what we're doing in Asia and Pacific is that we do have our standards uh, and, and the standards uh, of ecotourism for destination accommodation. And a lot of time we have for tour operators or even guides um, that specifically, you know, um, sets what they should be doing. And, um, a lot of time, like you said, about the plastic or uh, tackling the global warming, all these issues uh, have to be, um, you know, in plan when they're selling as, as tourist, tourism products. But uh, a lot of time, um, they only do it partially. So um, I wouldn't say uh, that certification is uh, uh, the way to go 100% of the time. But if you use it as either like a checklist or guidelines, uh, they're very helpful because in the deck can tell you what's missing in the picture. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's one of the things I always suggest even about business to sustainable businesses. If you want sustainability as part of your brand, you really should think about getting a third party certification, <laughs> getting training from third parties that have been doing it for a long time and they have a very good global reputation. And then the customer can trust that you know what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, but there's a, a pitfall in that, if I can <laughs> talk about that a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, that all these certification bodies normally uh, either based in US or uh, Europe a lot of times. Um, in the beginnings, probably in the late 90s that they were started, uh, you know, uh, pitching for standards. Uh, but there are a lot of uh, organizations that, you know, use uh, like an easier, uh, should I say, easy to get certif certification or uh, at the end, I think some people were able to purchase the brand or the words uh, in exchange for just paying for that price. So the what they called cert certifying body or actually not really certifying anything. So uh, in 2008, if I'm correct, uh, we had the uh, United Nations took an in initiative to establish Global Sustainable Tourism Council. Uh, 
uh, which they um, which they what they did was to to instead the minimum criteria for what are sustainable tourism and um, they started to sort of certify the certifiers you know what i mean so you know they can they are able to um tell that which organizations are really doing the great job uh in terms of promoting authentic uh sustainable tourism whereas there are more marketing or you know just more for commercial reasons that uh, a lot of them were involved in that so i think in, in, within about 15 years or so all these um wannabe uh certifying bodies were pretty much you know obsolete now so so working with gsdc standards are very important for us yeah it's really important that you you have an ongoing effort that you're not as well as having a decent certification process or a decent training process that you're always looking for ways to improve that you're always analyzing where you are and mm -hmm. what you could do better and what you are doing good and let's continue that part right true yeah all right uh let's talk about where you are right now awaji island in Togo. Mm -hmm. tell cool. us about it it looks amazing <laughs> yes um technically it's no longer an island because uh this island has been connected with two bridges both from north from kobe side to south to tokushima side so it has become uh, a main road that connects to you know from keihanshin um, osaka to um to shikoku island so uh in a way it's a part of the bridge yeah some people call it but uh, it does have uh, a lot of history. Um, if you go back to any myth, ancient myth of Japan, Awaji Island is supposed to be the origin of the entire Japan. So we have a very uh, historic and uh, famous shrine uh, in, in Awaji Island and also known for um, food paradise in a way that when the Kyoto was the capital, uh, Aoji Island was, uh, along with the Fukui, um, uh, Obama in Fukui, Aoji Island were also the part of uh, food procurement paradise, uh, should I call them. Uh, so in Aoji Island, it's kind of funny that they don't have, uh, you know, like the, what should I say, food in particular that uh, a lot of what you would expect in the mountain area uh, like miso or some kind of, you know, kyodoryori, um, should I say, the local food. Um, because Aoji Island, you can harvest them there. You, you don't really need to store anything over time because you can just grab them. There's a fish, there's fruits, vegetables. Uh, so if you like, you know, maybe the Kobe beef is also well known, but uh, most of them are also grown in on Aoji Island. Um, so that is a fantastic area and if you look at it uh, on a map the island is uh, centrally located on osaka bay so it is accessible to all directions um i like, so, I like yeah. also the, the tours that you are offering mm. so it has experiences such as using vegetables to do natural dye workshop mm -hmm. for example mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really nice to see this in action. So not only sightseeing, 
-hmm. not only out and walking around or doing activities, but also engaging with locals, learning about local traditions. Um, do you consider these kind of key elements of sustainable tourism or ecotourism? Definitely, definitely, yes. Because uh, we need to make sure that uh, the the price that the travelers pay have to uh, trickle down to the local people. And then the tour operator need to decide if they want to do it for the bigger wholesalers um, who can you know, sell the product for you, or you plan yourself to make sure that um, you use the local people, you use the local food, you, you know, a local transportation so the money stays locally. Um, so what we do is all these experiential uh, activities that on the island are, you know, um, either uh, enjoying nature or uh, having fun with the locals. And uh, a big part of this is to the transformation of the local wisdoms, uh, which people can talk about it. And uh, if, if they learn um, to their heart, they can, you know, replicate that anywhere else too. That's wonderful. Um, it looks like a great area to go and explore. And I love that it is a big, wide open area that does not usually get tourists. And I think these are the areas that we hope to develop mm -hmm. slower, uh, more meaningful tourism activities a bit more and less attraction uh, less focus on getting to the crowded cities especially now COVID, mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think it's primarily the allergy island doesn't have a you know well we do have the public transportation but we don't have any railroads um so you have to be traveling to kobe or tarumi in that case and then use the buses to travel around and once you're here the local buses are a bit difficult, you know, tricky for uh, visitors to use. And uh, the time, you need to really time it right so that you can, you know, take advantage of it. So I would uh, recommend uh, maybe renting bikes uh, if the days are nice like this today. And um, if not, uh, you could get a rental car. But a lot of people rent cars from, from where they live or the bigger cities. But uh, my suggestion for um, under our package is that they would come here on the public uh, transportation, then get rent a car here on the island. That would have more benefit for the local economy if you rent from the local area, if exactly. possible. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, let's since we're in the A's, let's go down south to Kyushu and talk about Aso a little okay. bit. All right. Well, also, yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it's another national park. Um, last year, I was able to climb the mountain and did uh, uh, what is called the, <clears throat> uh, there's a crater. So I did the climb around the crater. Um, and sometimes because of the volcanic activities, uh, there are places you cannot go unless you wear a, a gas mask, but I don't know how much you're adventurous in that sense. But um, but also is also a very beautiful area, as you, you may see on the screen, that it's very, very green. 
and uh, the people there, uh, they burn, slush and burn um, that grass land in order to keep the landscape for uh, centuries. I think that's, uh, that's amazing. And um, of course, Aso is now uh, a part of the uh, sustainable tourism model site that Japan tourism agency is working with. So I'm hoping that as a destination, it becomes more sustainable, uh, not just you know, as a, a tour that we uh, do, but also as a destination that the government also works with. So that's another rising star for us. Yeah, that's wonderful. So I'm showing the map of Japan. Uh, also is in Kyushu, which is the the southern island, not, and then if you go further south, you're in Okinawa Islands for people mm -hmm. not very familiar with Japan. Um, yeah. One of the interesting ecotourism initiatives I read years ago happened around Aso with electric cars. Mm -hmm. And like a pilot scheme with renting mm -hmm. out electric cars. This is in like the 90s, like way <laughs> only before electric cars became, you know, very popular. Yes. Um, so I have high hopes for this area that they can kind of go back to the models that they were first trying to do and think about how they can do more sustainable tourism because it's such a beautiful area. And mm -hmm. of course, very famous for hot springs too, right? That's right. And they're also part of the geotourism area, if you're familiar with it, that kind of, you know, tourism. Uh, and um, so my colleagues actually was the director for ASO uh, Tourism Design Center. So he's actually the one that trying to utilize ASO's uh, natural element, but also trying to make it more sustainable. I remember that him uh, his first attempt was to uh, take the bikes onto the train like the Europe they do. So I think they had some up here that they enjoyed that doing. Uh, eventually, they didn't work out, but, uh, you know, things like that, that they've been working for a long, long time. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. This talk show and podcast is held every weekday, 9 a.m., 12 noon, or 5 p.m. Japan time, to talk with guests from around Japan and highlight the great work that they're doing keeping the quality of life and quality of our planet in balance with profits. All of the shows are 60 minutes long, enough time for listeners to learn about the innovation and expertise of the guest, as well as consider connections to sustainability. Because we are in Japan, I'm in Hiroshima and my guests are from all over Japan. Listeners are also able to hear about life, culture, heritage, traditions in Japan, as well as Japanese specific innovation or travel destination. Although the setting of Seeking Sustainability Live is in Japan, a lot of the topics and key points that we talk about are certainly relevant in other parts of the world. We have an audience in America, in England, in Australia, in India, in so many different regions of the world. Thank you so much for listening. And I really appreciate your comments and questions during the live talk streams and after on the videos or podcasts. I really appreciate your passion for sustainability 
and your insights into your situation wherever you are from across the world. Thank you so much for engaging with this topic and joining and participating with your passion for seeking sustainability no matter where you are. If you'd like to support Seeking Sustainability Live, please get in touch with me, JJ Walsh, via social media or through my website, inboundambassador.com. Thank you so much. Uh, let's make a lateral move now and go to Shikoku. You have some examples from Tokushima. Hiwasa mm -hmm. Tokushima, can you tell us about it? Sure. Well, Hiwasa is a uh, very, should I say, it's a sleepy town, uh, fishing village, but it's also one of the 88 uh, pilgrimage temple town. And uh, what I like there the most was that they have very simple life, but also uh, it's also uh, known for uh, sea turtles. So there's a beautiful beaches uh, that these sea turtles come to nest and uh, they have this neighbor's watch and of course they have the research center for sea turtles and rehab you know centers uh so that uh, everything that they do in, in, around the beaches and coastal areas uh, they would put sea turtles first uh kind of activities and strategies so that their coastal areas are maintained uh beautifully um so one of our program was to actually go into that uh, rehab center that you could actually help the sea turtles scrape off some of the algae that they grow over time. Or um, some kids, uh, they try to uh, uh, feed the, the turtles. Um, I remember, clearly remember one of the Indonesian clients that they did was um, they had to prepare uh, cutting the fish, but the four kids, it was the first time for them to, to handle the actual knife. <laughs> so parents are a bit worried that time, but but uh, something like that. Um, and uh, also, it's you know, uh, Tokushima and Hiwasa area. It's not just the coastal area that's beautiful, but it's very compact uh, in terms of uh, having the uh, a river and the valleys are very close to each other. So you have um, electric. Uh, assist uh, bikes nowadays um, if you have you can literally grow from you know uh, very deep in the mountains uh, do waterfall and uh, in, a, in the summer maybe you can drift back in in, in the in the tubing <laughs> then uh, then have a swim in the, in the ocean you could do that in a single day so it's a great area yeah it looks amazing i i love tokushima um, this week, we're talking tomorrow with experts from Kamikatsu, which is also in Tokushima. Um, Naruto is in the same area with the whirlpools. Um, also, in your tours, you talk about not only the beautiful outdoor views, natural views, you also introduce the visitors to the traditional experiences making paper. Mm -hmm. um, is it making tatami mats? On top? No, no. This is uh, just papers, but they're big papers. <laughs> uh, bigger the more difficult that can be. Wow, it looks really. Yeah, you can make the postcards are really easy, but you know, making a big one, you have to be really steady. Yeah, 
I we had in the talk show series we talked to an artist who creates her own washi paper uh, mm-hmm. using gumpy, so a kind of weed that mm-hmm. grows really fast. And mm. she does the whole process and it takes such a long time from harvesting to making the paper. And then she does photographs on it. Amazing and so interesting. So I think if we can connect not only visitors in, coming from other countries, but maybe also domestic visitors are very sure. interested in this. She mm-hmm. has a lot of people visiting her who are from Japan and also very interested. So it's nice if you can do both, right? Yeah, of course. The culture and nature. Culture and nature, international and domestic tourist interest makes it easier from the profitability side of the equation, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. All right, let's go to somewhere really amazing that I have, would love to go, but I'm sure it's very hard to go, and it for a <laughs> reason. Ogasawara? Okay. Looks beautiful. Yes. Describe it as like the Galapagos of Japan. Exactly. They're dubbed uh, Galapagos of the Orient for that reason. And uh, if you live in Tokyo, uh, you're actually at the gateway because all the ships, oh, there's only one ship actually, uh, that goes to Ogasawara in about 23 hours. Uh, one way, um, about thousand kilometer due south of Tokyo from Harumi Port. So um, this is another uh, natural world heritage, um, and, and there are a couple islands, but there are two main islands that are there. Uh, the Chichijima, the father island, is a big one, and there's Hahajima, the mother island. Uh, those two are actually. The probably the more uh, popular places to go for a normal tourist. Um, so, you know, it, it's, I should say, it's unlike Japan, it's not the correct word, maybe, but it is an amazing place. Um, however, before the inscription, they had very difficult times trying to eradicate some of the exotic and in, invasive space, species uh, because a lot of the cargo ships during the war. Uh, they brought a lot of um, salamanders and you know all these that ate the eggs and uh, ate the very exotic species there, but I think they are now con- under control. So that's uh, it, it, it's a it's a paradise, and they do have one island called Minamishima. The South Island is I think there you need to have a, a permit that, uh, but the only uh, the guide can show you, so you cannot go on your own, but they allow up to 100 people per day to visit the island and maybe stay for two hours or something like that the most. But uh, this is uh, one of the trips that I would highly recommend if you, if you are not, uh, especially not able to go anywhere, this is a place to go as far as you can be uh, in Japan. So this is highly recommended. And the... Um, if you're there and you like uh, water sports uh, as well as terrestrial activities, I mean both activities are top notch, really. But uh, but do consult me if you want to go with a good guy because I do know them. Yeah. yeah, I I hope they're being very strict and making sure that the tourism industry doesn't damage this 
very natural, beautiful place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the way that works there is that they only have ports, not airports, seaports only. So what the uh, boat can carry is the carrying capacity for them. So probably a couple hundred per per week, I guess. So it really doesn't have the mass tourism, you know, attractions. And they do not allow any campings. Uh, they have to be, you know, uh, making bookings through the local uh, ryokan or minshuku. So um, I think that's how they, uh, you know, <clears throat> resist from uh, human-induced uh, negative impacts. So it, it's a must-go. That's great. It's it's so important to always be thinking about not only the local environment and how we want to stay in balance. We want to have a great product for the customer, but we want to think long term. And if you only think about the money from the customer short term, you're going to damage the environment. You're going to damage the local culture, and then you're going to have no product for mm -hmm. the long term, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It looks amazing. I'd love to visit. All right. Uh, one of the kind of techniques of sustainability or sustainable tourism, which I came across one of your links, is the sharing economy. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about renting uh, bicycles and the electric assist. So that's another, that's a great example. Mm -hmm. Are there places in Japan that also have like a, a car share system in place in terms of tourism? I haven't seen any. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, not particularly in tourism, but uh, I should say uh, nowadays because of the camp camping, you know, outdoor camping has been very popular. Uh, so rather than people buying them and bringing all the way um i know that uh, there are a lot of rental gear places now available uh, that uh, delivers to you know wherever you're going and recently uh this is apart from tourism i learned that uh, i coincidentally met one of the musicians in amami and the the very famous drama uh, turned out to be and he said uh, you know he doesn't carry all the drums all the time whenever he does a concert but they have a network among the drummers and uh, so he was able to rent the local drums uh, with the local you know performers um, so that they could cut all the costs and the shipping you know uh, hassles uh, which is perfectly an example of the sharing economy yeah i love the idea and, uh, you know, it can relate to so many things in sustainability. Um, for example, if you need gardening tools, you don't need to own them. Mm -hmm. You know, why not have a rental system for that? But also for tourism, we actually have a sharing economy for a lot of tourism, right? Like renting mm -hmm. kayaks, renting stand-up and paddle boards, renting gear to do abseiling or some kind of, you know, outdoor activity mm -hmm. so we do have some of this in place and it's it's a very interesting idea how can we develop this idea more because of course fundamentally it's reuse which is such a key component right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i love it yep 
Um, now let's talk a little bit about your green destinations uh, work that you're doing with okay. the national organization. Yes, it's um, it's actually a certi certified body uh, registered in, in Holland. Uh, so this certifying body, uh, green destinations, are, uh, and they have their own standards uh, for sustainable destinations. And under their program, uh, we have a top 100 sustainable tourism destinations. And Japan has entered that uh, the competition since. Uh, 2017 if I can recall it correctly but last year uh, we had five um, as you see on the screen five destinations applied for and 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 they were recognized among hundreds so you know, Japan makes up five percent of the uh, social destinations however uh, the system is um, a bit difficult to understand from outside um, the green destination has over 100 uh, criteria for that standard. For newcomers, uh, they can only need to fill in 15 criteria, which are core criteria, or which we refer as essential uh, criteria that, you know, uh, minimum criteria to be called sustainable tourism. So they will fill in those. And um, if their score is high enough, then they get selected. However, for second year, um, all these five destinations now are confronting with uh, with the requirement to fill in 30 instead of 15. Um, those are still minimum criteria. However, among 100, you know, still not, not many. Uh, so as long as they uh, stay on the program, they need to you know, improve their sustainability or challenge to other criteria that are not filled in. Uh, eventually, that will lead to the certification, which uh, they need to, um, you know, uh, satisfy all 100 plus uh, criteria, which is very difficult, of course, on, on that standard. So, uh, but Japan is really um, awakening uh, to, you know, to work around green destinations. And I'm very, very happy that with that, as being a part of the uh, main representative for Japan for them. This year alone, I know that there are um, 18 destinations trying to, you know, enter the competition this year alone. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, if, if Japan gets recognized more in terms of uh, as a, you know, green destinations for the world, I, I can, you know, I think I can say that we would be happy to have more uh, responsible travelers uh, aiming for Japan for that reason. This is such an important branding thing, not only for sustainable tourism in Japan, but for all tourism in Japan to be mm -hmm. connected to these international organizations and be part of these international destination lists. I think it's really key. And so I really appreciate all the work that you're doing to connect and collaborate with these international organizations. I think it's, it's helping Japan's overall level of quality for tourism go up, mm -hmm. not, not just sustainability, definitely sustainability too. I thought yeah. uh, you did an interesting talk together about 
uh, during COVID time and <laughs> strategy with other members from the group. Did you have any interesting like takeaways or is that? Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. So actually I was the only agent there up maybe up till 1 a.m. Japan time, but uh, because of the time difference. But three other speakers were actually the finalists for the top 100 destinations. And I had the role of emceeing them to lead the, uh, the whole panel uh, because uh, we are engaged with them also as a part of the Asian Ecotrail Network uh, partner that we have uh, based in Asia. So we actually do uh, the scoring of these destinations in Asia, but not them. You know, they're uh, mostly from Europe. But uh, I know Slovenia has been the leading country for the last, I would say, five years that has been changing the the map of the you know destinations um, of the of the globe, especially in Europe. But uh, you know, I think. What it comes down to is that we are working locally and that we are making differences to the positive, um, you know, seeking um, modifying effects. And I think that's what's very important. Uh, I know that the standard is should be used to bottom up the, the entire industry and the travel and tourism industry. But this certification scheme would help to uh, recognize the top runners in that program. So listening to the best and good practices that they have done, um, you know, a lot of times the other business can follow without much trial and error. So I think that there's a lot of benefit in that. That's great. So there is a lot of like foundation building that people can focus on. I've heard some great examples, uh, for example, from Derek, in uh where is he he's up north in the tohoku area and he's working with his local organizations trying to develop their english getting their mm -hmm. english ready for when tourism comes back that's not a mm -hmm. bad goal to do during this time or sure. another person talked about working on menus getting english menus or working on apps um to try to get sustainable shops and places mm -hmm. on apps right now so there's there's a lot of great foundation building that can be done which will really benefit tourism not only in japan but anywhere in the world post-covid right sure and my suggestion will be especially for all this english menu um of course for that applies to japanese menu but uh, you could um show them if you choose these 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 products you know over others uh, you're actually contributing more locally you know they're locally sourced or uh, locally uh, made uh farm to table kind of concept you know in place i don't know any information that uh gives the people to read it and understand in a, and and get selected uh that's very important even for drinks i love that idea Definitely. I think there's a, a great consciousness now amongst international travelers to buy local. They really want to help support the local community. So if you make it easier having it on a menu, that's a great way to help the visitor make the right choice. Right? That's right. It's like a chef's recommendation, but it comes from the local expert, you know. 
Exactly. That's wonderful. Oh, we got 10 minutes left. Oh, no. Too Ooh, many. That's quick. Left, so. <laughs> really fast, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I saw on one of your uh, information things that you mentioned matcha because there's a inbound tourism. Company. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, I'm not the right kind of person to talk about entire program, but I know that matcha is a company that uh, um, illustrates a lot of uh, <clears throat> uh, products in, in English. And they are organizing the uh, second year inbound summit 2021. And I heard that they have, uh, they had last year about 5,000 registrants. So I would assume they have equal or more people uh, joining the summit. And I'll be actually um, leading one of the uh, sessions. I know there's about a dozen sessions, concurrent sessions. Uh, but there's one on sustainable tourism, and so you can choose. Um, it's probably, I think it is a free uh, event, so you could learn, you know, which uh, room that you want to go, which topics you want to hear, and uh, it's going to be a very exciting uh, summit, I would pre presume, because, um, you know, I cannot visit other rooms, but I would really love to go to others. Yeah, it sounds great. Is it only in Japanese? All the materials I've seen have been only in Japanese. Yes. Only Japanese. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, we should replicate that in English one day, don't if, we? <laughs> yeah, wonderful. then you'd have a bigger audience. Um, but it's great to have this kind of big uh, inbound tourism, so international tourism when it comes back and, and having sustainable tourism as a part of that main tourism uh, event is so important and so wonderful. I did also notice on Matcha's website that they actually have a lot of great articles about mm -hmm. social impact, uh, sustainable tourism, made in Japan products, more sustainable products. So that's really nice to see. It's kind of a big, big website in Japan. It right? is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful. Oh, we got eight more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I I saw one of the bigger lists that you did. Um, okay. You were talking about places that you recommend from Kamaishi, Kyoto, and Fuji. So I've seen you mention Kamaishi a few times. Can you tell mm -hmm. us about Okay, Kamaishi is uh, recognized by the Green Destinations. Uh, among others, uh, top 100 program, I just talked about it, but Kamaishi's actually had the uh, bronze award. Uh, so they have actually tackled the all 100 criteria and uh, they scored more than 60% of that program. So they are indeed uh, came up with the evidences that are uploaded to the system, which I audited. So uh, actually I'm going back to this uh, Kamaishi in Iwati Prefecture uh, in about a few months time to uh, make another uh, round of auditing uh, on site so that uh, I could hopefully to see uh, any additions in, in, you know, what kind of improvement they have made uh, since, uh, two, since last time, so that's two years, I think. Yeah, and uh, Kamaishi is of course, uh, Maybe if you're a rugby fan, uh, there, he was also a venue for the world rugby. Uh, and also, um, 
if you were there, uh, the reason why they wanted to get into sustainable tourism is that uh, this area was also uh, badly affected by the tsunami in the in the earthquake time. So majority of the community had to be, had to be relocated to uh, upper you know higher grounds. Uh, but you know, of course, they lost a lot of lives. But also, the they were never the same people that you saw, even if it's new. Com you know, it, it's a community they built. So they had to uh, choose whether you know they are they are not as you know very much touristic sites uh, to begin with because it's a very small town and and heavy steel industry is the main source of uh, economic activity there. But um, when they decided, the, this man, uh, Mr. Kubo, who is uh, working with us in our team now, uh, have uh, you know uh, proposed to the uh, to the town assembly to incorporate the the global standards, sustainable tourism standards, as an uh, as an action agenda for tourism recovery. So, of course, that means uh, local employment, you know, and uh, and local procurement, all this thing locally. So, um, so they've approved it. So that's how they began. And now they have probably a dozen people uh, working for the the destination management organization in Kamaishi. And I know that uh, a lot of the people have joined the team because they are seeking sustainability. So they're you know they have the team <clears throat> not only locally but of a lot of people come from other parts of Japan because they do practice sustainable tourism. Very interesting. It's wonderful to, to hear about. Um, I saw a beautiful video after uh, they had created the new stadium for the Rugby World Cup. Mm -hmm. And Kamaishi was often mentioned when they were talking about uh, getting the Olympic bid and how you know they were going to have some of the events up in that area and the whole concept of recovery after Tohoku and exactly. bringing tourism back to the area. And there's so many wonderful places to visit in Tohoku, but it's one of the least visited areas of Japan. Is that right? That's true. Yeah. It's a bit, bit of a uh, issue if you really want to in access there uh, to fly there or take the train. But the really worth the hours that you spent to get there. Yeah, it, it looks like somewhere you could definitely spend a week walking around, visiting a lot of beautiful local areas. So I would definitely recommend people uh, visit Tohoku. You can get there by train. So it, mm -hmm. it's quite well connected by public transport, right? Yes, and uh, the the entire Tohoku region, uh, coastal area if, uh, in particular that are affected by earthquake, is now a part of the new uh, national park, and the the entire area is promoted uh, the tr the long trail. So actually, you can walk along the trail over. I heard like two weeks or something like that. Uh, should be interesting. The Michinoku Coastal Trail, is it? Exactly. Yes, you got it right. So. Yeah, wonderful. We we had uh, a couple people on the series talking about that that wonderful Excellent. trail. Um, 
Let's talk about Nagano next because we've had so many people in the talk show series who are based in Nagano doing wonderful things. What a beautiful area. And uh, now you yeah. recommend the Nagano 80 kilometer walking trail. Can you tell oh, us? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, there are a lot of walking trails, but uh, this area is. Um, Oh, and they have wonderful guides and they're local guides. So I wouldn't be able to just walk, you know, just myself, but the, it, there's a much better um, enjoyment if you're escorted by, you know, this guy under the uh, local interpretation. Uh, it's not about just culture or, the, but it's also about, you know, what you see uh, along the way, all the uh, <clears throat> birds or uh, amphibians or, uh, you know, anything that moves or the flowers that are blooming, uh, there's a reason for it. And the biodiversity explanation behind it, it's so wonderful. That makes you want to, you know, not to leave there. Um, I think that that is probably the, the, the biggest reason why I like this trail. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's a very dense uh, biodiverse area in the hotspot of Japan. Wonderful. That's almost our hour. Is there anything you'd, you'd like to say at the end that we didn't have time for yet? Well, I just want to say that I know it's very, everybody's going through a very difficult and challenging time, but uh, I know that you want to travel. So uh, make do make the plans now. So when things are lifted and then we can travel again. So make plans before. Yeah, that is great advice. And, and don't give up on travel. I think this is also a good time for the user to really invest time in research and spend time really researching where do you want to go and have meaningful travel because travel should be more special post-COVID, I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it means a lot. You want to travel, see new things, but also engage with new cultures and new people too, right? Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Ross, for joining from Australia and Louise from New Zealand. These are also places wow. I would love to get over and travel Definitely. and visit you guys. <laughs> thank you so much, Masaru. That was a wonderful talk and you gave us so much great insights. Um, well, for, mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Um, yes. We'll have to have you back in a few months time. Uh, you're doing so much. We could definitely continue the conversation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm very happy to come back. And thank you for the opportunity, Joy. Wonderful. Uh, if people want to get in touch, make, uh, you can probably find Masato very easily on LinkedIn. You're also on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, if you send him a message, say you heard him or saw him, on this talk show podcast that would be great yes, thank you everybody have a great day and go and dream of your next travel adventure make it sustainable <laughs> yes definitely be a responsible traveler <laughs> thank you so much masaru thank you okay everybody. thank you everybody thank you joy bye have a good one bye bye now i hope you enjoyed the episode today if you want to learn more about the work that I do, have a look at inboundambassador.com. Sponsor the work that I'm doing on the YouTube channel, Patreon, buy me a coffee, 
coffee or haps. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.